Drag up that diesel. The demon's head has been cut off. The grass has been mowed. The snakes are no longer in the yard. Bruce Allen is no longer with the Washington Redskins. This is the Pigpen Podcast at Denton underscore day to follow me on Twitter on the Hogshaven Podcast feed. If you do not subscribe to us yet, be sure to go and do that. Join the Hogshaven community at hogshaven.com. We got a whole lot to talk about. The past 48 hours have been pretty intense for the Washington Redskins with the biggest news. Well, really, I mean, there's a ton of news that you could decide uh, what is the actual biggest, but Bruce Allen being gone is where we are going to start. We will talk about our new head coach, Ron Rivera. This is a new era for the Redskins football team, and most of that does rely on the fact that Bruce Allen is no longer here. He is not with the organization. He's not just out of football operations. He was not reassigned. Consider him absolutely eradicated from this organization. Dan Snyder finally stuck his hands below the belt, found his balls, and got rid of that dumbass who was running the team for the past decade. We know the numbers. Bruce Allen was a loser. That is just a fact. When he was here in D.C., he was a loser. The team was not very good. He had two division titles to show for 10 years, one of which was the Robert Griffin the third year, and how much does he really get credit for that? I mean, it's on his resume, but are we really giving Bruce Allen credit for the RG3 year? That was more on RG3 than anything, so he has one division title, if that. He thought the team was uh, close. They were not. He thought the culture was damn good. It was not. Bruce Allen is gone. I I never watched The Exorcism, like any variation of it, because I think there's about 18 different variations, whether it be movie or television show. Never watched The Exorcism, but I think it's fair to say the Redskins exercised the demon, and I recognize that. Bruce Allen is gone. I can't I can't tell you the last time I was this excited. I mean, truly, the last 48 hours for this team, they have filled me up with so much joy, so much excitement. It is fun to be a Redskins fan right now. And I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if this is really a changing of the tide for Dan Snyder, a changing of the guard, if you will, and the mentality that he uses to run this football team. But I do know it is a step forward. And if nothing else, that is good. We can, we can take kind of the moral victories, although this is more than a moral victory. This is a real victory. We can take the small victories here if it means getting closer to the ultimate goal, which is to restore this franchise to glory, to restore this franchise to the franchise of this actual city. We talked about that poll that was published a couple, I guess a month or two ago now on this podcast where the Redskins... They weren't, the, they weren't D.C.'s team anymore. People had flipped to the Nationals, to the Caps. They're not a Redskins town anymore. Well, we are slowly but surely at least taking positive strides to get back to that standpoint. Bruce Allen is gone. I think a lot of that does fall on our shoulders. So we, I think we need to be applauded for that. I'm talking to us as fans, us as people on social media, That the fire Bruce Allen hashtag. I do think that played a real, a real factor in this. I don't think it was an accident that certain things were leaked. And I think Dan Snyder did kind of have his thumb on the pulse a little bit of how we felt. We talked about the money that Dan Snyder lost 
by not selling or by not uh, the stadium not being full. And we talked about how it wasn't a whole lot. But there's one thing. Money is the one thing that's going to hit a lot of the, these billionaires. But these billionaires also have a little bit of ego. And I think Dan Snyder was realizing like, all right, this is this is not good. Not filling the stadium is not good. And a lot of that was based on Bruce Allen and our hatred for him. So I don't think it was a coincidence that this this move was leaked weeks in advance and everyone was excited about it. I don't think it was a coincidence that the idea of him possibly being reassigned was leaked a couple days before as well. I think Dan Snyder was kind of he did a little bit of um he did a little bit of crowdsourcing here on the internet just to see how we felt about some things. This is Dan Snyder's getting 21st century here on us. I mean, he really is. And the best part is like, we know that Bruce Allen is a snake and I saw a tweet on this. I I forget who, who actually tweeted it. So I apologize for not giving credit to the person who actually tweeted this, but they mentioned how there were really no leaks of Bruce Allen's massive firing because you know there there have been some leaks and some other things throughout this organization and that points to the that points the finger saying like hey Bruce Allen was the guy leaking this like that Jay Gruden video that was probably Bruce Allen Scott McLuhan drinking yep we knew that because Bruce Allen leaked it the dude was a snake he was a mole inside of his own team the damn good culture that he spoke of was damn good for him because he was in control of just about everything and in a devilish way like a super villain he was all he had all of that control and he didn't do anything good with it. It was just to keep him afloat. That is, I mean, it's super villain to the max. Trent Williams, who we thought was going to be a martyr for the cause, he ended up being kind of a hero here. Now, I don't know what his future holds, but he played a very, very large role in Bruce Allen getting canned. And for that, whether Trent Williams play, Trent Williams plays or not, again with the Redskins. Because he was kind of the guy that, that really kicked this into overdrive, I applaud you, Trent Williams. Your work does not go unnoticed in the uh, the effort to get Bruce Allen the hell up out of this franchise. It's such a good day to be a Redskins fan. It really is such a good time. We're not even in the playoffs, but I'm excited. I mean, I really am. So that was the first big move. And then the second big move came in the form of Ron Rivera. Five years for him. I don't know what the actual money figures are. I don't care what the actual money figures are. This was a really, really good move. And it was a different move. Dan Snyder has been known uh, for many things, but he's been known as a guy that really likes the big splash. And Ron Rivera is a good head coach. He's not a big splash guy, though. He's not the sexy hire. He's not He's not the up-and-coming college coach. He's not a an old grizzly veteran that had a lot of experience that you brought out of retirement. He is none of those things, but he is a damn good football coach. And we talk about a guy that said we had a damn culture. Well, now we just hired a guy that can actually implement a damn good culture. And that's probably the most exciting thing about this whole process. Because this is a guy that you look at, Ron Rivera, that thinks, that I think at least like, hey, this guy can actually do what needs to be done to create and to craft a winning culture. One of the things I found really, really interesting when when it comes to moving pieces in the coaching world, some guys are going to have bad things to say about former coaches. There were a couple Redskins that rejoiced when Jay Gruden was fired, current and former. They got to the internet, they got the keyboard, and they rejoiced when he was fired. There haven't really been a lot of guys that rejoiced when Ron Rivera was fired, at least not that I saw in Carolina. There, but there was nothing but good things to say about him from his current and former players, and I do think that speaks volumes to who Ron Rivera is as a head coach. 
And that is what excites me the most. My favorite story of this whole process, though, and I don't even know if this is true or not. Maybe I'm putting way too much credit into anything that Fred Smoot says because he's not a reporter. Love Fred Smoot. Great personality, obviously a former cornerback with the team. But he said that they went out to dinner, dance night at Ron Rivera and Barack Obama. I have no idea if that's true, but I'm going to continue living my life as if it is true because I think that's a hell of a great story. Obviously, we know Obama has Chicago ties. Ron Rivera has Chicago ties. So maybe that is that is what that was. But I do think it is worth mentioning that there was a point in time where Obama was possibly going to get involved with the Wizards. There was a point in time where maybe Obama was going to help lure Masai Ujiri away from Toronto to come to D.C. And then Obama was going to be involved in the front office of the Wizards. And obviously we know Obama is a big basketball guy, but he's a sports fan too. So I'm not saying that Obama is going to get inside the front office of the Redskins. I don't even know if I would really like that because I'm tired of these, the flat, the, um, the headline grabbing moves. I want like football guys in the front office, but I would find that at least interesting to flirt with having Obama there. I don't want it to happen, but it is a funny story. If Obama is helping Ron Rivera come to the Redskins and Obama is helping turn the ship around, I am all for it. I don't care about politics. I don't care how you feel about politics. If Obama is helping the Redskins turn the ship around, bring it on, Barack. We need that. We need help from everyone that we can get it at this point. I would love to he I would love to be a fly on the wall of wherever they went to dinner. I, my guess, because we know that a Blue Ridge Grill in, in Brambleton is a good spot for Dan Snyder. He likes to bring some guys there before they sign the contract. I'd be willing to bet that he was not there with Barack Obama. I, my guess is they went to a little bit of a fancier restaurant. If you're going to have a former president of the United States helping to, to recruit a coach, you're probably not going to uh, the restaurant right outside of a movie theater on a big school break where there's probably hundreds of people around. Probably not the uh, the dinner spot they went to there, but I do think it's funny. Even if it's not true, I'm just going to believe that it is true that Barack Obama helped Ron Rivera get to the Redskins. And we thought for a brief second that he was going to bring Steve Wilkson as defensive coordinator. That ended up not being the case. But at this point in time, I don't think it's been officially confirmed yet, but at this point in time, Jack Del Rio is going to be the guy, and that just makes me more excited. So you have a defensive-minded head coach who has done a great job with multiple different defenses, and then you bring in Jack Del Rio, who has a proven track record of taking subpar defenses and turning them into fantastic defenses. And then you look at the core group that the Redskins have. I, just as much as anyone, thought that this defense this season was going to be awesome. I thought we had all of the pieces in place that this team was going to be a defense first team and that Dwayne was going to learn by the defense shutting opponents down and he was going to have, uh, it was going to be easier for him. That ended up, of course, not at all being the case. The defense sucked and a lot of that is because Greg Minuski has guys dropping in coverage that have no business being in coverage. One of the best parts about Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio is that they run a 4-3. I am so ready to go back to the 4-3. I do remember when we switched to the 3-4, I got a little excited because it was different, and then I quickly learned, wow, this is not working for the personnel we have, the defensive coordinators who are running the ship. They don't seem to know what they're doing. Please let us go back to the 4-3. That was like five years ago, and we stayed in the 3-4. Now we are transitioning back to the 4-3. I am really excited for what this defense is going to look like next year because you have the three guys up front, the, probably our best unit on defense is John Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis. You could factor Montez Sweat in there, and then you get Chase Young involved as well. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Chase Young coming up in just a moment. But 
I'm really, really happy. I'm glad that we went with Ron Rivera. Thank God it wasn't Urban Meyer. and Thank God it was not Marvin Lewis. I saw the rumor of Marvin Lewis possibly being the coach of the Redskins, and I wanted to vomit. Nothing against Marvin Lewis, the person. I'm sure he's great, but I watched him in Cincinnati, and I watched him do not a lot of great things, but hang on for what it was it. 12 or 14 years? Well, damn, that's a long time if you're not consistently winning. And they were not consistently winning. I didn't want to get locked in that trap again. So I'm glad it wasn't Marvin Lewis. I do think Ron Rivera was the best guy for the job. Although, I will admit I was intrigued by the possibility of Matt Rule. But it sure seems like Matt Rule didn't didn't want to come here. He's looking at either Carolina or the Giants. It didn't look like he wanted to come here. So I get that. If he doesn't want to come here, we don't want him here. Ron Rivera clearly wanted to come here, and I think that makes him uh, a little bit more appealing. You know, you want the guys that want to come here, and I do think at some point Ron Rivera and John Allen, those two guys are going to be best friends. I mean, just the style in which they both lead. John Allen, of course, stepping into the leadership role basically as a rookie. I mean, that dude didn't give a damn. Any stereotypes that you have about how the leadership hierarchy is supposed to work, John Allen doesn't give a damn about that hierarchy. He came in rookie year and said, hey, we are not doing things right, and he was verbal about that, and it's one of the things I love the most about him. He does not take crap. If he if he sees something going wrong, he's going to call it out, and he's not afraid to do so. Ron Rivera's kind of the same way. Remember, Ron Rivera did bench Cam Newton for not wearing a tie. I mean, that's just the type of dude that he is. Now, I would hope... That doesn't happen here. I do think benching Cam Newton, not the greatest decision in the world. Uh, Safe to say with Ron Rivera here, Dwayne Haskins not taking any selfies. So if that was something that bothered you, that is a thing of the past. We are not going to get that anymore. But I love that disciplinarian, but a guy that is also loved by his players. Because we see a lot of times across the league, individuals who are making decisions that are disciplinarians aren't always the most well-liked. And a A lot of that is because the decision they're making, the discipline that they are putting down on their players sucks. Well, Ron Rivera is a disciplinarian in the sense that he is he's disciplining his players, but everybody loves him for it. And I think that's that's really appealing. And I think that can go a long way with this team. And as we shift back to the four three, it is also important to mention Ruben Foster is with this team. I completely forgot about him because he was hurt. And I know there's a ton of controversy with him, but as of as of this point, Ruben Foster is a member of the Redskins. So we're going to shift back to the 4-3, and the guy that's anchoring it was one of the best linebackers in college that we've seen in really this decade. I mean, the dude was awesome in Alabama, and he is now at least slotted at this point. He's probably going to be the middle linebacker for a 4-3 defense that we have going on here. That is exciting. I, I completely forgot that he was even with us because of that injury. But now as I think about it, like our front seven has the potential to be really good. And I don't know what the future of Ryan Kerrigan holds. I know he does. He has expressed that he wants to be back. And if he's willing to take a pay cut, I'm willing to keep him. I mean, I love Ryan Kerrigan. I think he does a lot for the fans. I think the fans have a, a certain draw to him. You know, we don't have a whole lot of homegrown talent yet. On this team, the guys that have been with us for so long, Ryan Kerrigan is one of those guys. So I I like the idea of keeping him at a lower price, but our defense, I think, can be really good with these two guys running it. But more importantly, on offense, because that is the question as well. We I mean, we talk all about the defense, but on offense, we gotta keep KOC. I mean, that that is that is priority number one on offense. Your rookie quarterback, and obviously if Ron Rivera is coming to DC, he is pro Dwayne Haskins. 
Like that, get that out of the way. Ron Rivera is a pro Dwayne Haskins guy. He clearly has seen something that he liked from Dwayne. He's a pro Dwayne Haskins guy. Well, Dwayne Haskins has been very verbal about wanting to keep KOC. They have a great relationship as Kevin Oak, uh, as he, as KOC got more of the play calling responsibilities. Dwayne Haskins started to play a lot better. We saw him grow leaps and bounds by the game, and a lot of that can be attributed to the play calling of KOC. So keep him there, allow Dwayne Haskins to grow, and just don't let him be another young offensive-minded guy that you let slip right through your fingertips. And you can look across the league, uh, with the exception of Sean McVay, the other two guys, young defensive-minded guys that were with the Redskins this decade, well, they're in the playoffs. And the one guy that wasn't is Sean McVay, who was in the Super Bowl last year. So we can't let another guy get away. You have to keep him at all costs. And of course, the young group that we have on offense, the core with Dwayne Haskins and with the wide receivers. And then eventually at some point, I'm expecting Bryce Love to come back. We, we're we looking pretty solid on, on that end of the field as well. So I think this has been a really, really good 48 hours for the Washington Redskins. I I'm filled with joy, really. This is about the best case scenario that we could have hoped for in that 48 hours. And it's not often that we get in a situation like this where we get the best 48 hours we can get. So we got to enjoy this, let it sink in and enjoy it while we have it. So continuing to look ahead at the future with all of the great moves that we made in the coaching department with the front office, and we don't even know what exactly is going to take place in the front office. That weird uh, Schaefer situation earlier today, this is being recorded, by the way, on on New Year's Eve, but that weird Schaefer situation, strange, not a huge fan of that. The most optimistic part of me thinks this is this is conspiracy Dan a little bit, trying to kind of get the moles out of the organization who was leaking what sort of information. That wasn't the best look in the world. I wasn't that that was that was the one downside of the last 48 hours. That whole situation, not the best situation in the world. But we do need to look ahead at the future because we have the number two overall pick that is set in stone. That is our guy. Whoever we draft there is going to be the future of this team. It's pretty set in stone. I would say at this point, Joe Burrow is going one to the Bengals, whether, whether we like it or not. I think at this point we should all be past the idea of Joe Burrow coming here. I think Dwayne Haskins has showed us enough to say that he is the guy to roll with moving forward. So what are we going to do at number two? I, I think the obvious situation would be go, go chase young. Right, like take Chase Young. He's the best player. Take him. There are a couple other options that we can go with. We can trade back, ideally outside of the division. Don't want to do interdivision trades here with the guy getting Chase Young. Like we don't want the Cowboys to get Chase Young. We don't want the Giants to get Chase Young if we don't have to. Uh, but trade back outside of the division. Maybe get Isaiah Simmons, build a linebacking core. Maybe to get Derek Brown. You could uh, if Trent Williams isn't coming back. You could go with a guy out of Georgia, the tackle, Andrew Thomas. Go with him. There's a couple options they could do. I do think the best option, though, is Chase Young. But this is something, this is, I'm going to call this a very, this is a yellow flag, right? It's not a full red flag. It's a yellow flag because along with this podcast and along with the stuff that I do at SB Nation Radio, I do work for the ESPNU channel at SiriusXM. So I'm very plugged into the world of college football. Well, I'm loosely plugged into the world of college football, but I know a lot of the guys that were around Ohio State this past week for the Fiesta Bowl, for Media Day, for all of that stuff. And ever since the Redskins had a real chance of getting Chase Young, and really just any of the guys here that have played at these big schools that are in the college football playoff, I have been doing some form of due diligence, asking people that I trust in the world of college football, hey, what do you think about certain guys? What are you seeing from certain situations? 
And I asked a couple different people, and this was more than just one person. So it's not like I just asked one person, he said this, and that's what I'm going with. There was a couple different people, and he and she said that, like, hey, Chase Young was, he was a dominant presence physically, which we knew. But as, as far as a leader goes, they felt underwhelmed. And that's not, a, that's not inherently a bad thing. But the immediate thing that I thought of when they said they thought Chase Young was an underwhelming when it came to a leadership perspective, I, I kind of thought of you know what Bryce Harper was with the Nationals. And I do, I'm a firm believer that the best players don't always have to be the, the number one leader on the team. I think certain guys, everyone has a role that you have to play on a team. So the guy that's the absolute best on the team does not always have to be the most vocal. And what they were saying wasn't that Chase Young was absolutely a bad leader, but they just asked a bunch of different Ohio State players about the leadership on defense, and none of the Ohio State players said that Chase Young, or they, they didn't mention Chase Young first when it came to great leadership on defense. But you look at Ohio State's defense, there's about eight dudes that are probably going to be playing on Sunday, whether it be this year or years to come after that. So they have a lot of good defensive players. But I did find that slightly interesting that nobody said Chase Young or they mentioned it. They didn't mention him early. They didn't mention him, but he was like the fourth or the fifth guy that they mentioned. Of course, like, I mean, Jeff Okuda was mentioned. If you watched the Fiesta Bowl, if you watched Ohio State at all, you would know that Jeff Okuda is an absolute stud. So that makes sense. But I do find that just, it is, like I said, it's a yellow flag. It's not a full-blown red flag. You shouldn't be absolutely 100% alarmed because we already do have the leadership on the defensive line, right? Like, John Allen is the guy. He is the leader vocally of that defense. Like I said, if he sees something that deserves to be called out, he is not afraid to do so. So we don't need Chase Young to step in right away and be this big leader guy. But we do just have to kind of cover all of our bases. And that's just something that I heard that I thought everyone else should hear. I still think Chase Young is the guy at two. You still got to go with him. He's a physically dominant player. He, I mean, he's, he didn't fill up the, the stat sheet in the Fiesta Bowl. But Clemson did their absolute best to make sure that he did not fill out the statute. If you watch the Fiesta Bowl, they did all of these these weird running plays with Trevor Lawrence. Of course, we had the 67-yard touchdown. But... Clemson doesn't run that often with Trevor Lawrence. They did these option run plays designed for Trevor Lawrence to run the football, but they did it all away from Chase Young. They did their absolute best to not let him get into a rhythm, and that's kind of what Michigan did. They didn't do the design run plays, but they did their best. They double-teamed Chase Young to make sure that he couldn't get into a rhythm. Wisconsin did something very, very similar, but if he is coming here, you're not double-teaming Chase Young. I mean, with the front defensively that we have, I mean, you could stack it in whatever order, whether you want Allen and Payne with Sweat on one side, Young on the other side, rotating Ioannidis, or you want Payne, Allen, Ioannidis, and Young. I mean, you could rotate those five guys however which way that you want. You're not double-teaming one of them because the other three guys can beat single teams. I mean, each one of those three guys has had a stretch this season where they themselves have been double-teamed. Sweat has maybe a couple plays, but he wasn't really double-teamed as much to the extent that those other three guys were. But they have all been double-teamed, so you can't double-team everyone unless you're running two-man concepts, right? You're not blocking eight guys and just hoping for the best. So if you're double-teaming Chase Young on the professional level, that allows other guys on this defensive line to get good matchups, favorable matchups, and win those matchups because I trust all of those other three guys. So I'm still very much pro-Chase Young. I do just think it is important to mention that in terms of vocal leader on Ohio State's defense, he was not that guy. He was a dominant player, but he wasn't a big vocal leader. 
But like I said, we don't need them to do that. All right, final thing here before we get out of here. Keeping this nice and quick. Hope everyone had a great New Year's. Uh, but I do want to talk just a little bit about Trent Williams and how we should go moving forward with him because it was no secret that Trent Williams did not want to play here because of Bruce Allen and because of the training staff. He was very upset, and rightfully so. They misdiagnosed a cancerous tumor on his head. He had every right to be upset, and he was. He was quiet about it, and then he finally hit his breaking point where he basically said, I don't like Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen doesn't like me that much. He's a snake. He did things I didn't like. This is kind of the this is kind of get back at him. This is why I came back. Uh, I didn't want him to get the upper hand. Well, Bruce Allen is no longer here. And at one point, Trent Williams was saying like, "Hey, the bridges are burned. I'm never playing for the Redskins again." He has since shifted that mentality at least a little bit, and that is a positive sign. Now, I don't know, I don't know what the realistic future for Trent Williams is. I don't know if we want to pay 13 million dollars to a guy that had hadn't played in a full season and hasn't played a full season in like five years. But I damn sure know that Trent Williams is an upgrade from Donald Penn. And that's not to be a shot at Donald Penn, but Donald Penn is old. And Donald Penn started playing like he was old at the end of the season. And if you're going to protect the quarterback's blind side, you want to have the best possible guy to do so. And of the current options that the Redskins have right this very instant, Trent Williams is the best possible option to protect the quarterback's blind side. So I am very much in favor of bringing Trent Williams back, but I'm not against trading him if the assets that you would get in return are right. It's going to be tough to trade him because he only has one year left on his contract, so you'd be having to send him to a destination that he is willing to re-sign with and that he has been vocal about willing to re-sign with. But I'm not against trading Trent Williams if we get something back in return that we deem doable that we deem to be a good deal that we benefit from. We are not in the position now to make silly trades that don't actually benefit us. That is done. That's over with. We are done doing those sorts of things. That's that, that's just a mentality that we need to put in the past. We can't do that sort of stuff anymore. So I'm very much still in favor of Trent Williams coming back. I think he makes everybody better. And Eric Flowers, who is kind of the surprise, I would say he was the surprise of the offensive line this year, him playing next to Trent Williams, I do think elevates him a little bit. And he was already playing well next to Donald Penn. So I do think with those two guys on one side and Sheriff and Moses on the other side, that's that's a pretty good unit. All right. I mean, it's not maybe it's not the best unit in football, but it is a pretty good unit. And that's something that I think we need moving forward with all of the young guys that we have on offense. You want to give Dwayne Haskins the most amount of time. Trent Williams is the guy that would do so. So I'm hoping sometime in the near future we get more information. I just want this process to be filled with information, right? Because all of last offseason we spent thinking, pondering, but not really knowing anything about the Trent Williams situation. I just want to have some sort of real information accessible to us So we actually know what's happening. It doesn't have to be everything, but please just give us clues every like two weeks or something here. I don't want to be left in the dark for the second consecutive offseason about arguably the best player that we've had really since the turn of the millennium, in the Dan Snyder era, if we're just being honest here. He's been one of the best guys that we've had in the franchise's history. I just want to know what's going on with him. And I think that's fair to ask as a fan. You'd like to know what's going on with the players of the team that you support. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on as well. Alex Smith did suggest that he was going to be making some form of return. Uh, I'm a fan of Alex Smith. I want him around the franchise, but I think at this point, Dwayne Haskins is the guy moving forward. He is the future. And if Alex Smith is planning to take that job away, not, not a big fan of that.
I wish the best for Alex. I don't know. I don't think he should ever play football again. I'm in that camp. Uh, I know a lot of people are as well, just based on the, the injury, the, his age. I don't know if coming back to football is the right move for him, but I do wish him nothing but the best in his recovery. Just please don't take Dwayne Haskins' job. I'm really starting to like Dwayne Haskins and what he did to close this season. All right, that is going to be it for this uh, episode of the Pigpen Podcast. I don't really know what we're going to be doing moving forward here because obviously the season is over, but I will be, uh, we will be doing some stuff leading up to the draft. It just won't be on the, the weekly basis that it was, but it was a fun season. Thanks to everyone who supported this podcast. It was a fun venture. Uh, so I don't know if I'll be back next week, but I will be back soon. That's what we'll say. So this is the last pig pen podcast for a bit. I will be back soon though. You can follow me on Twitter at dead underscore day, and I will see you whenever we do make a return.